Welcome, ninjas, to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is an awesome digital marketing agency. We help businesses get more leads and sales from your website, and that is exactly what this show is all about as well. And today, I've brought on three friends from Exposure Ninja to give you their best SEO low-hanging fruit tips. So what we're going to do is cover six essentials of SEO. Now you might have some of these in place already. There might be others that you're actually shocked to find that you don't have in place at all. So we've brought in Ritu, Dale and Andy from the SEO team and digital strategy teams here at Exposure Ninja to give you their tips. Uh, You'll hear each tip followed by an explanation. Now in some of the tips we actually refer to on-screen shares where we show you some stuff on the screen and show you how a particular tool or how a a certain website works. If you want to look at these obviously you can't because you're on a podcast but you can go to Exposure Ninja's YouTube channel so just go to YouTube on the app or on your browser and search for Exposure Ninja and you'll find the video version of this episode uh, complete with the walkthroughs but if you can't then we, we talk through the examples uh, that we're showing on the screen anyway so you can still enjoy them through your ear rolls. Without further ado enjoy the show with Dale Ritu and Andy from Exposure Ninja all about six organic traffic tips to implement immediately. Tip number one make your website mobile friendly. So Ritu, why is it important that people's websites are mobile friendly? Obviously, we know why it's important for, you know, people actually using mobiles to view websites. But why is this an SEO tip? Uh, So Google prioritizes websites that are mobile friendly over the websites which are not. Uh, And this has been confirmed by the 2018 mobile first algorithm, which clearly said that Google will rank those websites that are mobile friendly and that are responsive. And uh, the mobile device usage is increasing rapidly from small purchases to every information search is done on a mobile. Now, if I look at myself, I am always on my mobile. If I have to buy anything, I'll go to my mobile. I will never open my laptop. So it will be good for businesses to have a mobile-friendly website because that will make their business seem modern and relevant as well. One of the kind of objections or one of the things that people would say in particular markets, and I'm thinking high-ticket items or B2B is they would say, yeah, but, you know, when you're buying a house, you're still using the laptop. But actually, we're not seeing that that's the case. And it's a bit similar with B2B, isn't it? Whilst the majority of traffic might be on desktop for many B2B businesses, actually, the proportion of mobile traffic is increasing steadily still. Uh, So, but I would still recommend having websites to be mobile friendly. The reason uh, being Google ranks your website on the basis if your website opens on all devices correctly. So if I have a website that is only showing the desktop version, but let's say 10% of the traffic is coming from mobile and the website doesn't open on mobile and the text is small, it's not responsive to the screen sizes. It's very likely that Google will drop the ranking of the website because that's been confirmed by the launch of mobile first algorithm. And also Google is giving indication by um, 
launching uh, new uh, platforms like in the page speed platform as well google has mentioned that you should do this and this on mobile for mobile so there is a clear indication that google is favoring okay. websites that are responsive to different screen sizes there are lots of little nudges from google aren't there things like when you open page yes. speed insights the first reading it gives you is the mobile well historically mobile. it would open and it would give you a desktop store score whereas yeah. now it gives you the mobile score then you've got to click on another yes. tab to see desktop there's yes. a clear message there yes there's a clear message and that's how google is communicating with the seos or the marketers mm. that that's where your focus should be um and yeah i agree that some of the businesses still may have more traffic coming from desktop but or, or more purchases coming from desktop but there is a possibility that the journey of a user still starts from a mobile mm. for example real estate um i will never purchase a house on mobile but i may start my search on mobile mm. so and if the website doesn't seem uh, responsive then i might just leave that business very good point so there's um kind of there's mobile friendly and then there's mobile friendly right how can yeah. people make sure that their websites are not just functional on mobile but actually optimized and converting well and you know ticking all of the boxes on mobile yeah so um there is a google mobile friendly checker that that is again made by google um so i'll show you two different ways that you can check uh, that your website is mobile friendly and that's what you should do every time you see your website and for those that are listening to this in the podcast you can head over to the youtube video to watch retu talking us through the tool so um so for to find out if your website is mobile friendly or not we are going to do two tests first is um if you right click on the website click on inspect you'll see a little mobile icon you click on it and it will change your website to mobile size how it will look on mobile and to find out if it's mobile friendly or not you will see that in different mobile sizes in different screen sizes text will fit in very well it will never run off the edges or the images will fit in automatically and uh, it will give you a clear idea that if the website is mobile friendly and is responsive to different screen sizes and over here you can just zoom in to see uh, how the text looks um, how the images are looking um, so it will fit in very easily to your screen sizes you'll have proper spacing around the text and proper spacing around the images just to be sure that yes the website is mobile friendly and awesome. the second test second test is this is a mobile friendly checker by google what you do you just pop in your um, url in the tool and then click on test url and that will tell you if your web page is mobile friendly or not this is a very quick and easy way to test so once the test is done it will show you if the website is mobile friendly or not and you can see this green message that's what you hope for that page is mobile friendly done now you have the confirmation that the website is mobile friendly i'm relieved <laughs> yeah me too as a seo ninja it's very good to see the websites are mobile friendly and business owners are following the trend 
and they are making sure that their website looks modern and uh, and elegant so if the mobile friendly test throws a warning that says this page isn't mobile friendly what in your experience are some of the most common reasons for that page isn't mobile friendly some of the common reasons i would say um, if you're using uh, if you're using cms uh, built in cms like wordpress or shopify there won't be any chance that your mobile that your website is not mobile friendly it will be mobile friendly but if you've made your website from scratch or, or using html or or just on your own without using any built in cms there will be a possibility that your website is not mobile friendly or you haven't converted into a mobile friendly website so the reason will be that the text may be too small that it's difficult to read on mobile images aren't shrinking well enough to fit in mobile sizes uh, mobile size and uh, and another common issues that i have noticed is um, uh, what businesses some businesses what they do is um, they will have two different versions of website like uh, for desktop they will have www.website.com and for mobile they will have m.website.com this can cause a lot of technical complexities if they are not set properly um, because we have to show google that this is one website whether you open on any mobile any device this is a one website these are not two websites so i would always recommend avoiding that and just have one domain which is www.google.www.website.com uh, uh, so um, yeah always avoid that uh, to avoid any technical complexity and uh, and yeah so the common problems could be your text size size could be too small it's difficult to read on mobile and google will uh, i mean this tool will throw up errors if the website is not mobile friendly uh, yeah text size images or um, uh, the menu is not accessible so those kind of things uh, will show up as an error cool tip 2 create solution focused content so why should people be creating solution focused content uh, when people search they they have a problem when you log on to Google, you're pretty much looking to the, for the answer to something, like some kind of problem that you have, whether that's, um, you know, you can't get into your house, you need an emergency locksmith, or uh, your washing machine started to smell a bit and you don't know why that is, so you're looking for a quick cleaning solution. Never had that um, problem. No, 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 never, never. Um, yeah, your, your customers are doing exactly that. When they're searching the web, they're looking for a solution. I mean, like, you and I don't log on and search for the news because you already know the answer to what happened today. You're searching because your problem is that you don't know what happened today. You don't know how much Tesla's stock price has gone up or, you know, uh, <laughs> what happened in the last episode of RuPaul's Drag Race or something like that. You want to find out the answer. Um, somebody a few years ago, I know the, the people at SEM Rush. Uh, I think they have a podcast or um, a, a webinar series about the answer engine or uh, answer engine optimization, where people it's essentially Google gives you the answers to everything. Um, so when thinking about content for your website, you have to think about what are the problems that your customers have. Um, 
they're not immediately looking for the solution always there may be there's generally like a question before the question so before i replace my boiler or looking for somebody to install a new boiler my first question might be why is my boiler not working or why does my boiler uh why is the water from my boiler cold or something like that so your website should be those solutions and it comes from all the way through the sales funnel so the very beginning of that sales funnel is kind of the informational searches where people are looking for the most basic um answer to their problem like before with why is my boiler running cold or why does what does this light on the boiler mean what does it mean they they're not looking for your boiler installation service just yet they just want to figure out why they're they're in the problem the the sticky situation they are and then there are later uh, solution based um searches like um boiler installer or a uh, boiler installation quote or uh boiler options or you know those those kinds of answers also solve uh, our solutions to those problems um so your content needs to be mapped out against all of the possible queries that your customers have before they get to that final question of how do i get your service or how do i get your product so if someone wants to start identifying what questions their audience are asking, how should they do this? And are there any tools that might help them? Yeah, uh, the first kind of first step I would take is to just think back to the, the last few customers that you've had. If you're in the position of hiring customers already, this is not a new business. Um, and just think back, okay, what kind of questions did they ask that I may have the answer to, or you know, I've answered repeatedly, like frequently asked questions. I would then see, can I turn those frequently asked questions into uh, a, an FAQ on your website or into multiple pieces of content that would help your, your target audience? Um, if you're fortunate enough to work in a company with a sales team, speak to the sales team because they'll frequently come up against these kinds of questions all the time. But there are tools you can use as well. Um, there's one called Answer the Public. Um, I believe that's .com. Um, is really useful for finding out what kinds of questions people ask around certain queries. Uh, so if you were to type in boiler installation, the queries that might come up are how much does boiler installation cost? Um, or, um, yeah, that that probably be the first one that comes to mind if I was having a boiler installed anytime soon. Um, but there are also other uh, tools out there. There's one called Also Asked as well, uh, which is by uh, Market Candor. Um, and uh, it takes all the people also asked questions from Google, pulls them all out for you to download. Um, and it's kind of like a, 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 a tree of if you click on this question, it'll open up these extra questions which are related and you can very quickly find a whole bunch of questions um, which are commonly asked by people related to the questions you may already have. So if you have thought about the questions your customers have asked and you've got a list of 10, type those 10 into alsoask.com and it may give you another four, five, 10 that you can turn into content ideas as well. Tip three. Create enough content to cover every problem your target has without spamming hundreds of really short pieces. So Andy, why is this so important? So if your customers have a problem and you can solve it, which is the basis of your business, that's a potential sale. Um, 
you can't rank for content you don't have. So if you've not got content covering that problem, you can't rank for it, you're not going to get that sale. Um, so creating that content allows you to rank in searches for the people that want your product and they're your customers. So you need to get in front of them. And we often talk at Exposure Ninja about different places that you can put content on your website. So what are some of the places that people might put this kind of um, solution or problem solution focused content? Uh, so blogs can be really useful for that because if people have got a problem and they're looking for a solution, they're often looking for information. So blogs are really good at communicating information. But you can also you can also rank with it on other types of content like service pages. You can explain a bit about why the service is beneficial, and that gives them the explanation as to how that service solves their problem. And the benefits of getting service pages ranking is they're more optimized for converting, which is lets you get that sale from people from those people. So um, it will vary depending on exactly what the subject is to what the best what the best position is. But what you need to make sure is whatever angle you choose, it works for your user. It makes sense for the user. It's in a logical place for the user. Don't cram in um, some content about how service A help really helps solve pro the problem on service B's page. It doesn't make sense. It's not useful for the user. Make sure it works for the user. It's in a place where the user can easily find it and where they would re realistically expect to find that if they were on your site. So ask yourself, if I was a user on my site and I was looking for a resolution to this problem, where would I look? Would I go to the blog? Would I go to the service pages? Would I go to uh, an about page? Would I go? Where would you go on the site to look for it? That's almost always going to be the best place for you to put it on your site. So I've I've got to ask you for a kind of live example because the thing that you said there about service pages is so important and it's also so easy for, for for listeners to miss one of the kind of problems or objections that people have if we say you know you need a good amount of content on say you're an accountant for example and you've got a tax accounting page and we'll say you need to increase the amount of content on this page and uh, you know that they'll say well it's, it's really difficult to do that i don't want to just write endlessly about you know pointless stuff you can actually use this strategy to beef up that page and both improve its SEO potential and also improve its conversion potential. So how can someone use this problem solution type approach on a page like, for example, a tax accounting page on an accountant's website? And so um, one way that one common way of using it, a way of what, where um, quite a few people use it is, um, so you can use case studies and if you put it sitting on a page and it's not a case study page in its own, you'd want to be quite condensed in that. You don't want, you know, reams and reams of content explaining this case study. But you can use it in case study to explain, we worked with so-and-so and we did this for them and this helped them achieve this. So you're there, you're explaining what problem they had and how your product or service, whatever it may be, resolved that problem for them. Um, you can build it into kind of um, like benefits. So what benefits does your product, does your product or service provide? That should be listed out on, and most places will have that listed out on products and service pages anyway, because it encourages people to buy. But just think about the way you're writing that. Make sure as well as explaining the benefits, it's explaining what problem it solves as well. Because solving a problem is a benefit. It's, mm. well, 
even if that solving a problem is just removing a negative and isn't actually a positive in itself, still removing that negative is a benefit and people will be looking for that because they're experiencing that negative and they want to remove it themselves. So all these things. So, um, yeah, the, the main ways are explaining through benefits of the product or case mini case studies are the most common ways it's done. So Andy, you've got an example to show us. And for those that are listening on the podcast, you can watch the video version of this on our YouTube channel. Just search uh, for Exposure Ninja on YouTube and you will find this episode. So what is MailChimp doing so well on this page that you're showing us? So what they're doing here, so you can see on this page, they've built all this content together into a help section. You can see in the URL, it's MailChimp.com slash help. So this page in itself isn't doing so much, but it, it demonstrates because it shows you all these pages that they've got, that all linked through, that all providing these benefits and problems that their audience, their potential customers might be having and how MailChimp helps with that and how it can improve these things for them. So they've got popular guides and tutorials, uh, help by topics. So you've got all these different topics and you can see there's absolutely loads of them get help from an expert for the questions and all these then go through to further sections. So this is obviously they've spent a lot of time building up this content and it's a huge piece, but this really shows you just covering every possible objection or benefit or problem or they can help with or solve or how they can help you. It's just a huge amount of content. Now, most businesses aren't going to need this much content, but um, so this show really, really demonstrates how it can be used effectively because they've built it into this huge, massive section, which is a huge authority builder for them as well. So they've got all this information that's all really useful to their customers, which makes their site more attractive mm -hmm. to things like Google, which helps them rank better, as well as picking up all the searches for people with problems where this content answers that problem. And as, as I'm looking through these um, help topics, you might think, oh, well, yeah, but basically for those that aren't, aren't watching this that, that are listening to it it's a it's essentially the help section on mailchimp and they've broken it down by different topic categories so we've got help about accounts help about audiences help about automation so different functionality and admin of the mailchimp platform but really this isn't just a help desk for mailchimp is it because i'm seeing things like how to reach your audience during covid19 so that's actually a uh, they're, they're casting a fairly wide net there and that's something that anybody might be interested in whether or not they're working with, on the MailChimp platform. Then they've also got a separate audience which is people that are searching for a CRM system or an email marketing system that has particular functionality. So for example, uh, Google remarketing ad integration. So they've got some posts about the functionality and how it works with these different platforms and that would target the sort of phrases that people are looking for a solution with particular uh, characteristics or integrations. And then they've got the third audience, which is people who are using the platform, who they want to give an answer to so they're not contacting MailChimp help. So it's really, like you say, they're just kind of sharing every possible problem that people would have with MailChimp or about email marketing and just trying to get as much out there as possible. It's really comprehensive. Yeah, so it's really wide reaching, covers loads. And by doing that, that means that they can appear for a lot of searches, which it means they're getting their, their site 
in search results in front of a lot of potential customers. So Andy, what do people need to do first to get started with this? Okay, so the first thing you need to do to get started with this is determine what you need to be writing about, which can seem a bit of a daunting task, but there's loads of different angles you can take to start building all this up. So you need to just essentially create yourself a really massive list of potential content angles. Um, you can do that through brainstorming. So brainstorming works, you know your business, you're going to know how it helps people. Um, look at competitors, see what they're doing. Look at some of your competitors, look at some of the top ranked sites for the core search terms that you want to appear for. They're ranked top for a reason. Um, consider, are there any questions that you regularly get asked from customers? Do you have a, um, a live chat feature or a customer support line? What kind of questions are they getting? Can you answer that in content on the site? Um, other useful resources are directly in Google search. Search for your core keyword and then look through the search results and look at the people also ask section and the related searches section because they'll give you lots of content that people that are searching for that, what, that core keyword are also searching for and you'll find a lot of question type keywords in there which you can then start building content around. Once you've got your list, you then just need to prioritize it into, okay, what's the most important? What's going to, what's going to have the biggest and best benefit for my business? Getting this up and then just start working through it. Tip four. Find your page two content and improve it um, to move it onto the first page of Google. Okay, so it seems pretty obvious why people would wanna get page two content onto page one, but why should this be a top focus for them? Why not just focus on creating new content or focusing in other areas instead? Why should we be actually looking at the stuff that's not doing so well and putting more time and energy into that? Normally because putting time and energy into creating new content can take a long time. There's a research phase and then the writing itself and then there's checking against what other people are doing as well. Am I going to have the most comprehensive piece? Uh, whereas with content you already have, it's already there and pretty much just needs to be given a shine and a buff and is you know, more likely to go up in, in ranking sooner, uh, especially as it's going to have some form of, um, you know, uh, equity already from having been in the search engine for a period of time. You know, Google loves fresh content, but it also likes content that's that's been around a while as well because it's it's more proven. So if you can improve it, it may just be the the, the extra shine that it needed to get onto the first page. So how do people find the stuff that's on page two, which is worthwhile pushing onto page one. Well, if you already know which kind of questions your customers are asking, you can just type them into Google and see where you come up. And then there you go, you've already uh, found your page two listings. Um, but another uh, like super easy way is just to log into Google Search Console. So you can go in there and you can um, change the settings so you can see impressions, you can see the average position. You can see which pages are ranking on average, higher than the 10th position, so anything 11th, 12th onwards. You want those between you know, 11 and, and 20th on average um, and see if you can budge those up, the rankings, by looking at, okay, for these pages, these four or five queries are earning impressions. Um, let's see if we can include those queries more within the piece or expand on those uh, subjects that are covered in that as well. And then see okay is this enough is it informative enough is it engaging enough as well because you can also add in you know images and media uh which is another tip i'll give you later um 
um, and, and make it more readable, more interesting, more likely to be not only ranked higher, but also maybe linked to as well. And presumably you could also check out the sites that are ranking page one already for those terms and see what you'd have to do to crush them into the ground mercilessly. Oh, absolutely. You can just look at the first 20 results. So those on the first page that are obviously ranking well and Google likes, but also those around you are clearly well liked enough by Google that Google wants to bring them close enough to the first page. You can pretty much combine all of the best bits of all of those first 20 pieces into your mega piece, your comprehensive piece. And then that should get it at least onto the first page, if not onto the, uh, the top half of that first page as well, because it's the best piece around. Tip five. Do a content audit and remove or combine your poorest performing content. So Ritu, remove your poorest performing content. This feels a little bit counterintuitive because for many business owners and marketing managers, they've been told that more content equals better. And here we are saying potentially remove some of that content which we spent time writing. So why would that be positive from an SEO perspective? Um, I would say yes, more content the better, but I think we are forgetting here that forgetting one main thing which is more quality content is better. So I think we are missing the, the, the main thing, which is the quality. Google is Google or users. Uh, they, are, they want quality. If we don't provide quality content, then, then uh, it, will come into, it will work against us. So the best would be getting rid of those pages. And there is something called crawl budget, which is assigned to every website based on the size of the website. So if I have, let's say 10 pages, my crawl budget will be decided based on that by Google. And I don't want to waste that by getting my poor performing pages indexed in Google. I have to make sure that users and Google are seeing only good pages that shows the quality of my business and quality of my knowledge, um, not the poor performing pages. This will not help. So having more pages will help, but just having good quality content on those pages. So how do we find which are the best performing pages and which ones we need to be removing or combining or sprucing up a little bit? Yes, uh, so for this, I normally use um, tool Screaming Frog that is available for free as well. You can crawl a website up to 500 pages. Um, it's a very helpful tool. You just pop in your URL and it crawls your whole website. That will tell you how many pages you have uh, and what pages, uh, what pages you have, what pages are connected because very often you will find some orphan pages that you may not have uh, created intentionally, but they are lined there. So. That will be good for housekeeping as well, good for housekeeping and making sure that you don't have any poor performing content lying around. And the second tool I would use is a Google Search Console. Google Search Console will tell you which content is performing and which isn't. So, and um, then that's how you use your Google Search Console to find content which is uh, performing and which is not performing. 
So sure. if you want yeah. to see Ritu show these tools in action yeah. and you're listening to the podcast, then you can go over to our YouTube channel, just search Exposure Ninja and find our YouTube channel and you can watch these tools being used on screen. So first I'll show you how you can crawl your website to find any missing content that you may not have ever seen on your website that is lying around and how you can uh, crawl the website. So this is a Screaming Frog uh, tool. It's a desktop software. Uh, so you can just go to the Screaming Frog website and download, download it. And then you just pop in your website here and you click on start. It will crawl your website and it will start showing you what links you have attached to your website and uh, if there are any orphan pages. So the best thing I would do over here is, over here it says all, so I will just filter out to HTML because we are looking for pages, not images or JavaScript files. So I'll change it to HTML and then you will see a lot of pages. You might have to scan through the whole list just to you know, see that if you're familiar with all the pages and if there's any page that you feel um, was not created intentionally or just do a little bit of housekeeping. And I would recommend doing it like every month or so if you are producing a lot of content and if you have a big website. And then you hop onto page title and see if there are any issues with any of the page titles. And on the right hand side, you will see this breakdown, all missing duplicate over 65 characters below 30 characters and so on. So if you see anything in the missing, that could be your quick win. You just go on to that content piece and just go and update the page title. And like duplicate, over here we have a lot of duplicate pages. So again, good, very good for quick win. So you go to uh, your podcast, uh, sorry, you go to this page and just go and update the page title because we don't want a duplicate page title on any of the pages. And over here we see this review from test by the look of the URL. It seems like it, this page was created for a test, but then we just left it. We forgot to delete it. So again, we want to go to this page and delete the page because we don't want Google to index this page because it clearly looks like it's an index, it's a test page. Mm. So we don't want it to be to lie around. So that's the sort of thing that people are, are looking for then. It's these oh. kind of erroneous pages that shouldn't really be indexed. It's yes. the um, hello world blog post. It's you yeah. know the, the, the stuff that you're not necessarily proud of. It's not linked yeah. in a menu, things like that. Exactly. That's, that's a common problem if you're using built-in CMS like WordPress. By default, there will be a blog post, uh, Hello World, which you obviously don't want to go live with. So you just go to the post section and delete the Hello World post before it's indexed in Google because you have to save your crawl budget for good, good pages. Cool. All right. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, then... Uh, we i'll show you google search console so the um, other method that you can use to find uh, good performing or poor performing pages is using your own google search console where you must have had your website verified so i'm using again exposure ninja search console so you click on performance this is the performance section and you click on open report 
So over here, you will see queries and then pages. You click on pages. This is what you, this is where you will see the uh, pages, list of pages. And what I normally do, you can sort the impressions in a order, um, um, in a descending order. And then you will see list of pages where you are not getting any impressions or you're not getting any clicks. There are different ways to do it. So you just sort them and then you find, for example, this page, job head of website, um, development remote working required. So we just go and have a look at the page. Why is it not performing? Why is it, is it not indexable? Or why is it not getting any impressions? Does it not have any content? So clearly we see that this page redirected to another page, jobs. So that's okay. We can just leave that page. But that's how you just keep on scanning your list and find out, for example, this one is a good, could be a good example. It, it's a training guide. It has only 59 impressions. Let's see wh why, why doesn't it have any more impressions and why, wh what's lacking when it's a training guide, what's lacking in this um, content piece. It's a, it, by the looks of it, it looks like a good content. It's really long. It has images, good content. So what could be missing here? So that's the kind of housekeeping we should do with our content and um, see if there is a way to optimize it further to improve impressions and click. Then I would do, if I found an article where I would want to improve or optimize further, you click on it to see what's happening or what queries it's getting the traffic from so far. Queries, you click on queries and you will see only the queries that is driving traffic to this particular page. So these are the queries. And then I will turn on my positions to see what positions are ranking. The reason I'm not getting any clicks because it's way down the fold. It's on page three or page four of Google. So normally you will not click on any link any further down. I think third result, I would never click on any result. So that's the reason it's not getting any clicks. So can we improve the impressions, which will, can we improve the position of the website uh, of this particular URL? So that's how you will scan through your list. You will just go through your list and try to include these keywords in your, uh, in your article to optimize it further. And if you feel that this article is not relevant or the queries that is driving traffic to this particular article is not relevant to your business, that will be the deciding factor for you, whether you want to keep this content or kill it. And by killing it, you, you either redirect it to, um, to, the, to the next relevant page. That's the best way to kill it. So whatever authority it has built so far, that is passed on to a relevant page. Tip six. Write for humans, not robots. Andy, what do you mean write for humans? So write for people. So lots of people get caught up in Googs. We all know Google crawls the internet with robots or bots. Um, they're these little pieces of code that go out and travel all around the internet to crawl all the different sites and understand what all the sites are about and what's on them so Google can rank them properly. And um, there was a fashion uh, a few years ago within 
SEO and digital marketing are people writing for robots. So they're trying to write to formulas and um, trying to write to, you may have heard TFIDF analysis and all these other things. They're trying to write to specific formulas and make sure words appear in certain ratios and so on. One, it's a whole lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, it doesn't really work. <laughs> So it, there's no point in using putting all that work in for something that doesn't really doesn't give you any benefit. To write for humans. Make sure your content is good for people, not robots. Don't worry about the robots. You make it good for people, the robots will follow. For one, Google is trying to emulate user experience as much as it can. Google's prime directive is to serve the content that is best for that user. So that content's going to be best from a human perspective not a robot perspective. So that's what they're trying to do. They're not perfect at it by any means, but they are getting better. Um, They constantly get better. And as well, you can write the best, if you write content, let's say you optimize your content completely for robots. It was amazing for robots. They loved it, but the users don't. Mm -hmm. It's no benefit to your business because the robots are going to love it. It's going to rank highly. The users are going to land on the site. They're going to hate it. They're going to go and they're never going to come back. So you don't actually benefit anything in that situation. Concentrate on making your site and your content good for people. You make it good for people, one, you'll rank well, and the people will come to you. I want to add a caveat here. There's another type of robot which is equally pervasive and potentially dangerous, and that is the Yoast SEO green light traffic tool thing. It's horrific because people think that if they get all the green lights, then there's site is fully SEO'd and if they have a red light then the site hasn't been SEO'd at all and they're never going to rank like what we're talking about here is you know Google's robots are actually trying to emulate the human aren't they so uh, whereas in 2012 the robots were really crude and they just look for the number of instances of a particular phrase things are a bit more sophisticated than that now so how do people balance Andy between you know making sure they're using their target phrases and looking at things like keyword density versus becoming too enslaved to these rules and regulations about what you should and shouldn't write. Okay, so Google's getting really, really good at understanding language and how it's used. They're really, really good at it. So keyword density isn't so much of a factor anymore in terms of it used to be in the old days of SEO and we're going back a few years now. It was a case of you needed to make sure your keyword in its exact form appeared on your page a certain amount of times to have a hope of ranking for it. Now, pages rank for keywords that they don't even use once on the page, but the content is about what that user is asking. So it's all about intent rather than keywords. So the intent is, well, you've got to understand what is that user trying to achieve when they're searching for that term? Does your page meet that intent? Does it answer their need? If it does, then you're going to rank for it, whether you've got that specific keyword or not. Most of the time, if you're answering their intent, you're going to have to have though you're going to have to have those keywords or very, very close synonyms of them in there because that's that's just the way language works. If you're talking about a specific subject, you're almost certainly going to mention that specific subject in a certain way. So most of the time it's going to include, but the important part is the intent. Mm. Does it meet the user's needs? That's what you need to be writing for, not trying to force keywords in and make sure you've got your keyword appears once for every hundred words on the page or anything like that you need to make sure does this answer the you what the user wants it to and does it answer it in a 
good way. And that's when you're going to rank. And it's important to recognize what you're not saying is you don't need to think about keywords because keywords are still the phrases that people use. They're still the phrases that people have in their mind when they're searching. But what we are saying is, well, you said it very eloquently at the start, right? For humans, not robots. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Keywords are still important. It's not that keywords have all gone out the window because keywords help you understand what our users looking for. But so you need to understand if the user's looking for um, how to, uh, best divers watch, for example, then we know that lots of users want that. So you need to provide you you need to provide content if you want to rank for that phrase that explains to them and tells them what the best divers watch is. It might not necessarily include the words best divers watch in that exact order, but you need to create content because that's what they're interested in. You need to create the content that answers that for them. And that's quite straight, straightforward keyword. It's quite easy to understand what the user's trying to achieve there. They want to know what the best divers watch is. Um, so that's quite straightforward. But you need to answer that question in your content, and then you will be able to rank for that term. Are there any tools that can help people make sure that their writing is human-friendly? Okay, so yeah, there are several tools you can use. So. Um, Hemingway is a really useful tool, and it can evaluate written content, tell you how easy it is to read. Uh, Hemingway is the main one that I'm familiar with. I'm sure there are others out there, but it will, can evaluate your content, tell you how easy it is to read, tell you how well it's written, um, as well as doing the standard sort of word processing, things like hi highlighting spelling mistakes and grammatical errors. Um, so that's really useful. Grammarly also can be uh, very useful. I use that. I re regularly rely on Grammarly to sound more intelligent than I am. So there are your first six organic traffic tips. Hope you found them useful. Don't forget there's six more coming in a future episode. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and our YouTube channel. Uh, so you don't miss those. Also, don't forget to request your free website and um, digital marketing review from Exposure Ninja. If you tell us a little bit about your business and your goals, we will then record you a 15 minute video where we analyze your website and show you a prioritized list of things that we'd suggest fixing on your site and with your digital marketing in order to increase the volume of leads and sales that it generates. We'll be looking at some of the basic stuff like we've looked at in this episode and also some of the more advanced things as well particularly in SEO, pay-per-click, social media, and conversion rate optimization. It's an awesome service. It's completely free. There's no obligation, anything like that. So go to ExposureNinja.com to request your free review today.